I'm here too, obviously. I have, I have no room to cast aspersions on you. Aspersions? What? Nothing. Big word. We should have a podcast word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> everybody and welcome to book retorts i'm danielle i'm sam and this is a podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other person who has no experience with it that's a me that's a you <laughs> okay <laughs> good start we're off Woo! to a rip roaring start everybody <laughs> um today we are doing it's my turn yeah a book yay Ooh, a book on book retorts <laughs> well i never <laughs> Well, it's been a while. It's been a it minute has. since we did a book. So this is probably going to be a two-part episode. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. And the first the first part and the second part will be about the same book. <laughs> that's, that's how parts work, Danielle, yes. <laughs> and this book is called Beauty Queens by Libba Bray. Uh-oh, I'm already apprehensive. Yeah, I thought you would be. This is very not you and, and very me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good thing you're the one who read it. Can't yes. wait to hear about it. <laughs> You'll love it, Sam. You'll love it. But before we get started, we're going to have a little promo from some friends of the podcast. So have a listen. Well, hello. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Kelsey. And welcome to Touch Your Shelf, where we encourage you to get your hands dirty and dust off those books sitting on your bookshelf. Live a little, let loose, and enjoy the ride as we discuss all kinds of literature. We are two sisters, separated in distance, but bonded over our love of books. Even if you haven't read them or you're cramming for a paper you just don't want to write, we're here for all of your bookish needs with a pun or two, a cup of coffee, and some sisterly knowledge. The goal is to share the books and stories that we have fallen in love with to the masses as a form of easy and accessible entertainment and to share some of that love with all of you. We hope to see you soon, and please, touch your shelves in the meantime. There will be a quiz. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your pods from. We'll meet you there. All right, and we're back, and we're going to get started with a summary, Sam, that I'm going to send you about this book. Oh, boy, my favorite part. The favorite part, yeah. I tried to find a summary that like didn't give away some of those stuff, but literally there are no other summaries. Did you edit it down at least? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. It's fine as it okay. is. Uh-huh. Well, I guess I'll be spoiled, Danielle, about Beauty Queen. Okay, it doesn't really spoil a lot. There's a lot going on in this book, and it, it only spoils one or two plot lines. So there's 20,000 plot oh, lines. Oh, great. This is going to be easy for me to understand. <laughs> okay, so it says, The 50 contestants in the Miss Teen Dream pageant. Oh, boy. <laughs> 50. Don't worry, there's not 50. <sighs> The 50 contestants in the Miss Teen Dream pageant thought this was going to be a fun trip to the beach. What? Where they could parade in their state-appropriate costumes and compete in front of the cameras. There's so much in this already, Danielle. <laughs> Keep going. But sadly, their airplane had another idea. Crash- Wait. Crashing on a desert island and leaving the survivors stranded with little food, little water, and practically no eyeliner. <sighs> 
What's a beauty queen to do? Continue to practice for the talent portion of the program or wrestle snakes to the ground? What's the difference? <laughs> Get a perfect tan or learn to run wild? And what should happen when the sexy pirates show up? Okay, Danielle. <laughs> yes? Couple of things right off the bat. First off, the plane decides to crash? <laughs> I, don't, I didn't write the summary. <laughs> what? Also... Is this going to be Lord of the Flies with teenage beauty contestants? Because I'm on board for that. Um, a little bit. I, I, I mean, that is basically the premise of this book. Yes, but it goes wild quickly. Oh, yes. And we all know Lord of the Flies <laughs> was a book that had no nothing wild about it whatsoever. But it was more like psychologically, like in that vein. This is more plot crazy. Well, I mean, the sexy pirates in the middle of uh, wherever the heck they are. Oh, you'll I mean, get there. Find the all right, let's just get into this because <laughs> I have too many questions and I'm going to spend all day just analyzing this crazy summary. Okay. So this book opens with the plane crash. So there's no, there's no background. It opens with the plane crash and the plane, as you know, is full of Miss Teen Dream contestants and it's on its way to this tropical paradise where they're they're doing their contest, basically. Yes, but the plane decides that it's had <laughs> enough of this cruel world and carrying these teen dream contestants is too the, difficult, the and so it must straw. crash. <laughs> The, the pageant's sponsored by the corporation, which is this massive American conglomerate, basically. So there's also dystopian corporate overlords in this. Absolutely. This is this book is actually a satire of a no. lot of a lot of things, and it, it plays heavily into that into the book. There's no way to describe everything that this book is trying to do. So I'm kind of sticking a little bit to the, the plot points to it. So this book is a shotgun satire. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> okay. So the corporation is is in everything it has reality tv programs it has products it has it runs this teen dream pageant every year like it just basically does everything yep so they've crashed on this deserted island it has a volcano like all deserted like islands all deserted islands yeah like every deserted island has a semi-active volcano it's just a law and we we meet adina who is there's not really a main character but she she's one of the main characters and she's super not into this pageant thing and it's not explained right away but it's Sounds like her mother kind of put her up to this. They usually do. <laughs> so she meets up with Mary Lou, who is our Midwesterner. She's from Nebraska. So most of the girls are introduced by their states originally. <laughs> Probably so you can keep them straight. Right, because they have their state-approved costumes. <laughs> they do. Question about that. Does state-approved mean like, oh, she's wearing an outfit that's shaped like Nebraska? Yes. Or is it like her outfit follows the modesty guidelines approved by Nebraska and the person from like Nevada is just crazy? Uh, some combination therein. There are definitely modesty guidelines, I guess, but they are basically a lot of the costuming and this is not really important to the plot at all, but all the costumes have it's something to, to do with, <laughs> with their state. And so if their state's well known for a specific like mountain range or whatever, it'll be detailed on their costume or... Or uh, I think, like, you know, if they're Texas or whatever, they have a American flag all over it or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing that the state yes, particularly Texas is known the only for. place that uses the American flag. You know what I mean. <laughs> 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 Just meant things that their states are specifically known for. Right. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what they're in for. And so the beach is strewn with costumes and suitcases and just exactly what you would think if a, if a plane went down. The plane went down in the jungle, but a lot of them, like half the that got stranded on this beach. Line. Did they all survive? No one died? No. So <laughs> we'll get there. The, the body count in this book is high. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> 
Miss Texas, her name's Taylor. She's organizing everybody on the beach. And oh, so she's bossy like Texas. Got a little it. bit, yeah. <laughs> Taylor introduces herself <laughs> and suggests that they do a recon for survivors and assigns some people to first aid. And Adina suggests that they do a roll call to like figure out how many states are left. And so they know what they're looking for for survivors. And there are only 12 remaining of the 50 states so far. I mean, hopefully the 12 that actually are like important. And we could do with fewer states, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know if they're the important states, but there are 12 of them based Got it. personalities. Taylor wants to send some girls into the jungle where the rest of the plane landed, but nobody volunteers, of course. They're <laughs> like, I'm not going in the jungle. And right. Who'd want to go wander around in the jungle alone? Buddy system, people. Well, yeah, they're going to do a group. So she talks them into it by suggest telling them that the the founder of the pageant, whose name is Ladybird Hope, that she would, she would be appalled at all of them not, you know, standing up for their their fellow members of the group. Okay, question. Does Miss Texas have a name cuz I've already forgotten? Taylor. Taylor, right. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I'm just going to call them like Miss Texas That's or whatever. totally fine. You can do that if you want to. Though I don't think I have states for all of them. Okay. I've tried to keep it. There are actually quite more characters in this book, but I'm trying to keep it down to the main ones because <laughs> it's hard to remember Please. 12 people. So she suggests that Lady Bird Hope would be completely appalled at their lack of enthusiasm and that there are probably still camera crews in the cockpit of the plane because they were there. They were filming the whole thing for the TV show. And so she gets a bunch of enthusiastic uh, volunteers to go into the jungle and find the plane. Great. Adina, who is, like I said, very apathetic about this whole situation, is wants to be a journalist. That's kind of her her dream in life. And so she decides that as a journalist, she should, I guess, volunteer for this mission because she would get a lot of good story out of it. Yes, because crash landing on an island isn't story enough. Yes, you'll get there. So they split into two groups. They named themselves the Sparkle Ponies and the Lost Girls. <laughs> Man, this this book just screams of try hard. Yeah, it does. It tries really hard. Um, <laughs> and it, sometimes it succeeds, and then sometimes it gets a little too surreal. So it's something to look forward to. <laughs> so the Sparkle Ponies and the other thing I already forgot. The Lost Girls. Whatever. So the Sparkle Ponies are the ones that stay on the beach, and they're trying to tend to the wounded and get the, the bags and everything, kind of anything that's there gathered up. And the Lost Girls are the ones that go look in the jungle for the survivors. Their name makes sense because they're looking for lost people in the jungle. Sparkle ponies do better. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so the lost girls go into the jungle and they find a girl in the jungle who says the chaperones and the camera crew are all dead in the plane. Okay, great. So no more cameras. There are no more cameras and there are no more plane. (laughs) So I mean, that's how plane crashes generally end up. You're like, plane crash. Still good. I don't think they go to the plane to like look and see if there's more stuff in it, which maybe they should have. So I guess maybe oh, yeah. perhaps they just didn't want to see all the dead people. I mean, fair enough. So they make their way back to camp to give them the bad news. And Taylor is trying to get everybody to calm down. And she's reminding them that this is an opportunity for growth and establishment of your personal brand. And when they get back, they're going to have huge endorsement opportunities and a story to tell People magazine. And they're going to be super famous. And Taylor's the villain, right? <laughs> in the beginning, she definitely – she's – The voice of nonsense. So they agree to keep their sashes on so they could identify each other easily. Great. (laughs) Recognizing people is something we're not very good at. Well, I think it's partly for us, too. (laughs) Yeah. So they build a fire to signal to any passing planes. And Taylor tells them they need to keep up their training for the pageant so they're prepared when they get home. So at this point, they think that basically they're not going to be there very long. Like, obviously, somebody's coming to find them. No, they're going to be there forever. Pretty much, yes. Forever and ever. They're never getting off the island. This is this is basically lost, isn't it? They eat each other. And yes, they're aliens or creatures. I don't remember the plot of Lost. <laughs> I, I never saw it, but 
was it obviously purgatory or something? Something. I don't know. Spoiler. We don't know what the plot of Lost is. <laughs> is it a spoiler? It's been a while. Also, I could be talking nonsense. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely am. I have no idea what happens in Lost. So Adina is like the voice of reason, or at least the voice of the people reading the book, which is she's astounded that she's trying to like carry on pageant activities when they're stranded on a deserted island. (laughs) And so she wants to vote for a team leader and she puts herself up for election. Well, who wouldn't? Right. So it's her against Taylor. They do little speeches. Adina, again, is not part of the pageant circuit normally. So she doesn't sell herself very well. She's basically like, I don't care if you guys like me. So we need to do actual things to survive on this island. So I'm the one you should vote for. They don't vote for they her. They don't vote for her because Taylor does a much more patriotic speech about how she's class president and homecoming queen and merit scholar and part of femmes and firearms and can take down a deer. And she sold antlers as a jewelry tree, which she plans to market on the armchair shopping network. And this ingenuity is what makes America great. So vote for her. <laughs> Is it possible that I can just say, oh, I'll start on this island, great, and leave, and that's the end of the book? <laughs> yes, you could. Okay. <laughs> that evening, Adina is assigned to, to watch duty, I think, kind of as a punishment. <laughs> and so she is recalling how much she hated the Teen Dream pageant as a younger child, but her mom was absolutely obsessed with her. And her mom's obsessed with being beautiful and getting a good husband, and she's married multiple times, like six times or something. And basically, they talked her into being part of this by saying that they would buy her a new bass for her punk band that she's in if she placed at the contest. Oh, so she's a punk rock journalist. Basically. <laughs> uh-huh. And they kind of assumed once she was involved in it, she'd forget all her other pursuits and really, like, buckle down on this and embrace the culture of it. It's not a phase, Mom. <laughs> yeah, basically. And Adina entered because she wants to write, like, great expose on teen beauty pageants, so... That's her. Oh, that's yes, her that's plan. original. <laughs> she wants to publicly denounce it during the competition. <laughs> is there anyone in this story who is likable? Um, I mean, they're all kind of generally likable in this story. They're definitely all like caricatures or stereotypes, but it's on purpose. It's not. Okay. They do have some depth, but it's there's so much going on in the story and there's so much like the she's trying so hard to give it a specific tone and she's really well-known author she's done a lot of books and has won prizes and stuff like she's she's a pretty well-known author anyway it's very like a it's a it's trying to incorporate really big topics on like feminism and teen beauty standards and all of that and i think she does she's definitely successful in a lot of ways but there's just a lot of like very surreal nonsense going on in the background that makes it hard to take a (laughs) a little seriously that's a problem with like satires that are trying to have a huge moral message is that like if the satire is too goofy it makes the moral lesson hard to hard to appreciate or hard to take seriously Mm -hmm. and sort of gets like oh is this all just part of the joke right like is the morality just part of the joke or not and i feel a little bit like that with this book like some stuff definitely hits home but other things just kind of even though i realize what they're supposed to be doing they just kind of sail past me but a lot of people really like this book and i can see why they would sure okay well like i said i'm just here for the secondhand knowledge So she, as she's wandering the beach, you know, looking out for, I don't know, ships, airplanes, whatever they're supposed to be looking out for, she <laughs> thinks she tigers. sees, yeah, tigers, she sees these lights near the volcano and it flashes kind of like a signal and she is like, what the heck is that? And she stares for a while longer, but it, she, it doesn't repeat and she gets kind of freaked out by the jungle noises and ends up going back towards camp. Sure. The scene switches to another viewpoint and this time we're following an agent, a mysterious agent. You don't know anything about him. Ooh. You know, he's watching 
watching the girl. This is where it starts to get trippy. <laughs> so he's watching the girls on the beach in the dark, and he's concerned because they're six weeks away from Operation Peacock. And this is a mystery operation. We don't know anything about it at this point. Got it. And these girls... Good name. Yeah. Good name. <laughs> well, we'll get there. It's this operation, and the girls crash landing on the beach is obviously throwing a huge wrench in it, and his boss is going to be super upset about it. So he's kind of gathering well, don't some have tell. your evil operation on an island that has a plane flyover that can crash well, and wants to crash. What are the chances? Right? <laughs> so he makes his way back to a compound, uh, like a military compound, and calls his boss. And he tells him about the girls. And the boss states that he that they are not going to tell anybody that the girls are on this beach. And a rescue mission would bring way too much attention to the island. And there's no way the girls are going to last more than a couple of days. And so the official word will be that there were no survivors on this plane crash. couple of things. Yes. Uh, dumb, because <laughs> a couple of days? I think they're going to last longer than that. Well, it's a story, so of course they will. But in gender, like, you, you know, you can survive for several weeks without food. It's not pleasant. I think that they're just assuming that these these young teens are going to, like, die out quickly because they're beauty pageant contestants. Okay. Second, I'm not an air traffic controller, Danielle. <laughs> We've established on this podcast many things I am not, but planes have flight paths, right? Yes, they You've do, flown. and they and they file them. <laughs> yeah, and I assume those flight paths include, say, any islands the plane passes over. Sure, and maybe it says something at the beginning of the book as to why the plane. Maybe there's a giant storm or something they get swept off. I don't recall. I didn't really think that hard about it, to be honest, until you brought it up. <laughs> But nobody knows they're there, theoretically. And there's no one looking for them, I guess. Uh, kind of. Like, we'll get into it a little bit more later in the plot. Okay. But at, at the Great. moment, we're assuming that, like, that, yes, of course, there's people looking for them, supposedly, but they don't know where they landed. All right. But the girls, the pa beauty pageant people think that, like, of course, they're going to be rescued because they're plane full of beauty pageant contestants. What's more worth rescuing than that? I mean, they that's exactly what they would think. <laughs> So the next chapter opens with Petra, one of the other characters, and she's awoken before the others because she's searching for her medication box, which was lost during the crash, and she's hoping it's in the wreckage Ooh. somewhere. She's also concerned because there's only a week's worth of medication in the box, and we don't know what the medication's for at this point. And she has these memories of when she was little, she's dressed up, and it made her feel really pretty and like her true self. And then she ends up seeing Taylor in a, in a bikini walking the, the beach in the morning, and she becomes really jealous, wondering if she's out of her league and what she hoped to prove by entering the Teen Dream Contest and if she has the right to the crown. As you know, the best outfits for survival in the jungle are <laughs> bikinis. bikinis. I know. When I read that, I was like, why is she in a bikini? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I admire her dedication to her craft. Yeah. I mean, it is it's Miss Texas, so she's probably trying to make sure she's nice and golden tanned by her, her date with the stage. <laughs> you know what? Again, appreciate the hustle. Yep. So Petra has decided, she kind of has this like thought process about whether or not she deserves to be there. And then she, it goes back saying that she decided to do this after her mom's chemo because her mom wanted her to go after whatever she wanted to be and do in her life. And this was something that she felt passionate about. So that's why she decided to stick it out and decided to be in the pageant. So Adina shows up as well. And Petra asks them if they've seen her bag. Nobody's seen it. But Adina reports that she saw lights by the volcano the previous night. And she felt like they were being watched. And she she wants to go check it out and see if they're actually alone on the island, which again, a good thing to do, right? You're stuck on a deserted yeah. island. <laughs> 
What else do you got to do to sit in one place? You can you can explore a little bit, see what else is out there. Yeah, they've done Maybe none find of some that fresh yet. water, coconuts, whatever. <laughs> nope, they're just hanging out. And uh, well, you know, different strokes, I guess. <laughs> so it's frustrating, Adina. Taylor says that she that they need to prioritize their pageant prep because they're going to be rescued any minute and they're not going to be prepared. That's the uh, I know. So Adina argues, like obviously, food and shelter are much more important than prepping for this stupid pageant. And Taylor basically is like, listen, this is the last chance I have to win this competition. I'm 18. I'm not going to give up just because we're stuck on this island. This is a big deal to me. And they so they end up running through the question portion of the contest. And every time they do the pageant stuff, it's kind of where she tries to put in a lot of the... The satire parts of like, like why people are acting the way they are and what standards there are and all of that. Mm. And so basically, this is where all the dialogue comes in about how these, it's like an antiquated system, the beauty pageant. And is there, is there stereotyping bias or judgment of women and people of color in these pageants? And so there's a whole yeah. discussion of this, right? And Adina thinks it does. She's the one that gets chosen to be like the, the questioner, the interviewer, as you would. And so she's asking the questions and she asks Nicole. And Nicole is the only black contestant. And she asks her how it feels to be the only African American in the pageant and if the history of the pageant's racist. And Nicole's super uncomfortable because she's, She's yeah. felt like an outcast anyway at being the only black contestant. Way to put her on the spot, I know. Adina. <laughs> she's not great. Uh, she's trying, but she's definitely mm. teenagery. <laughs> so Nicole doesn't want to like ostracize anybody and doesn't want to obviously admit how she feels about this. So yeah, she, no kidding. Yeah, so she hedges and she's like, no, like, of, co- of course it's not racist. I don't feel like it's racist. And the, there's another girl who is uh, Indian and she's like, I don't think it's racist at all. But her whole platform on this competition is basically how her family assimilated into American culture. And that's like what she's running on, basically. And so she was actually really concerned when she realized that Nicole was one of the survivors because she was afraid her ethnicity would no longer be something that the judges might think is unique. And so she's saying, no, of course, it's not racist. But she also feels like her ethnicity is being judged and her race. Of course. Yeah. And so, I mean, like I said, the book tries to get into these deeper, deeper topics and deeper conversations. Sometimes it succeeds. Sometimes it doesn't. Well, I'm glad it at least acknowledges them. It does. So during all of this, Petra finds her bag and she is very excited, shouts out, and everybody looks over and then they realize realize that a giant wave is coming in, a giant tidal wave. That was convenient. (laughs) Plot twist. (laughs) So they all run for higher ground and they lose each other in the jungle as they're running. And some get sucked kind of into the water's current. And Petra's trying to grab her overnight bag with medication and it gets sucked into the water. And that's kind of where the chapter ends. Like, all very dramatic. Now, Danielle, Uh I'm not an oceanographer. (laughs) Like you're not many things. I'm not many things, Danielle. (laughs) There are many things I am not. I'm not a seismologist either, but... Tidal waves, giant tsunami-like waves. Maybe there's an earthquake in the ocean, Sam. Not, not that. No, I'm not I'm talking about that. I'm just saying by the time you see a wave clearly, like, oh, that's a giant wave, because they don't look like giant waves when they're way out in the ocean. It's like big, big bumps or whatever. Right. Uh, they don't crest. It's like a giant crested wave traveling for miles along the ocean. By the time you see it cresting, isn't it like too late? You probably. Okay. So they go run up in the jungle and somehow escape this tidal wave they can see well, from far enough away. some of them get sucked into the water. They may or may not survive. You'll find out in the next chapter. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in that case, I gave this book too little credit for its <laughs> knowledge of ocean waves. Okay. I don't know how the ocean wave started. They don't really go into it much after this. Maybe it's a Hunger Games scenario where it's like fake ocean waves. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> okay. No, no, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just impressed that they uh, got them to run away in time. Well, some of them made it. 
so the next chapter opens with Jennifer, a uh, new character. <laughs> That's an endless stream of new characters in this book, just for oh, you. Oh, boy. I'm going to remember none of these names for next week. <laughs> I know. It'd be great. Jennifer is a lesbian who's not supported by her family. She's in the pageant through an at-risk program for girls, and she likes mechanical things. You know all of this because each, like, not each chapter, but every few chapters, there's a little bio sheet that the contestants clearly had to fill out prior to their pageant entry. So you get all these like, so little tidbits. So she put on there, lesbian who's not supported? Um, Kind of. Like, they just write their little stories. So this is more in, I would say, more in text that she's explaining that. Okay. But so the mechanical stuff the at-risk program, all of that's in the bio, I think. Pretty much all the girls get one in the, in the book. So she's basically contemplating her life choices as she's lost in the jungle, and she sees another girl, like a girl that was not in the original 12. Sure. And while... Uh, go, yeah. D- Danielle, I'm not a, a gay conversion expert, thankfully, <laughs> but I don't think the best place to put your daughter who you think should not be a lesbian is in a beauty pageant. Yeah, I don't know if her family had that much to do with it. As I said, she went through an at-risk program for girls, so maybe it was court-ordered or something. I don't know. I, I was reading to at-risk as one of those, like, at-risk of being a lesbian. No, like at-risk as in she lived in a very urban setting and, like, was choosing bad paths in life. Or, oh, okay. Like, I thought it was like her family was like trying to like do like a gay conversion <laughs> no, thing. Okay. That'd be pretty funny though if you sent her to a beauty pageant contestant. I mean, that's pretty much the plot of But I'm a Cheerleader. That's true. It's a terrible idea. So she sees this other girl in the jungle and then suddenly a giant snake attacks them. Okay, yeah. cool. Giant waves, giant snakes, evil corporations, <laughs> the, m- mysterious agents. Love it. The, so they fight it off, killing it, and she realizes the other girl can't hear her. And the girl finally explains like after this miscommunication that she lost her hearing aid and she's hearing impaired. So she seems to be able to hear a little bit, but she's mostly reading lips. Her name's Sosie. Jennifer explains that the crew died and Sosie like kind of takes that in and explains she's been living in the jungle the last couple of days in this really weird location that she found. And in this location, there's a bunch of old corporation products in it. And Where'd she come from? Where did Sosie come from? Yeah. She came from the airplane. She was one of the people who survived. I thought you said this was a person who she didn't recognize as a contestant. It's one of the 12 that survived. It's, it's uh, not one of the ones that was on the beach. It's a new person. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I was under, I thought you said new person. You meant like an entirely no, different person. No, and the person. chick, they explain like when she, when they meet her, there's she has like part of a sash on. It's been torn a little bit. I forget which state okay, she's okay, from. Okay, okay, okay. So she's clearly one of the contestants. I mean, I don't know. This book could be throwing no, random I girls agree. Sorry, me I for years. <laughs> it could be anybody, literally anybody. And so she find, they, she's been living in this location that has a bunch of these old corporation products in it and stuff that, that is from sponsors of the Teen Dream comp, uh, competition. Mm-hmm. And so there's this product in there, for example, called Lady Stash Off, which is a hair removal product. <laughs> I mean, that's a great name. No, no fault with that. There's some really good names in this book, actually. And she says that one of the snakes ate one of the containers of the Lady Stash Off, and it had this weird battery looking thing in it. And the steak, which had already looked really sick and had like little boils all over it and stuff and tumors, suddenly exploded. And she doesn't know why. So the snake had a battery in it? No, the the lady stash off seemed to have a battery in it or near oh. it or whatever. And she doesn't know why. And she's wondering if it like the snake exploded because of the battery thing. But they don't know. Like they, they don't know why. They can't figure it out. That is concerning. It is concerning. And there's also an old radio in there that's kind of torn apart. It doesn't work. But as I explained earlier, 
Jennifer is into mechanical things. So she is excited about the radio. She takes it. Just takes it and leaves Soshi behind? No, she takes Soshi with her. Oh, okay. She thinks she can probably get it to work again. And there are also some emergency rations. So they grab all that and they are kind of perplexed as to why it's on this abandoned island, as you would be, I would think. Did nobody think to go to the plane and get the radio from the plane? No, nobody. I don't think they ever go back to the plane. If I, That's if like I, step I, I know, one. if I recall, like maybe it's in the beginning and I'm just completely forgetting it because it was not relevant really or didn't lead to anywhere. But I don't think they go back to the plane. There is a part about them like burying <laughs> some bodies so that animals aren't attracted, but I don't think it was all the people from the plane because I don't remember them. Apparently, talking the about only it. animals on this island are giant snakes and giant malicious waves. Yes, so far. So. Meanwhile, the people who got sucked into the water have made it out. I don't think they lose anybody. Petra's lost her medication, explains to the others that she has a hormonal medical condition and that's why she needs them. And so she's concerned about it. And as they're traveling back to the, towards the beach, trying to meet up with the other girls, Petra sings a little bit, kind of trying to keep everybody in higher spirits and everybody compliments her on her voice. And then they start talking about this, this famous boy band that was sponsored by the corporation, I'm sure. <laughs> And of course. The, the boy band's called Boys Will Be Boys. <laughs> boys a with name. a Z and then B is in the letter B. Boys Will Be Boys. Yeah, no, I mean, duh. <laughs> Daniel, you don't have to explain to me how boy band names work. I figured that from the start. <laughs> this for me is what, like, they do a couple of things where they do the, like, lyrics of the song and the names of the songs. This is one of my favorite parts because it made, it, just, it was funny. So, Why don't you sing a few bars No, I'm not going to sing a few bars, but I will tell you the names of the songs. <laughs> So they start naming all their favorite boy band members, and Nicole wonders why they ch- they kicked out J.T. Woodland, who was one of the like main members of the band. And he why w- is that name so funny? <laughs> J.T. Woodland. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That tickles me. <laughs> uh, it was their favorite member of the band, and Petra says her favorite song of theirs was uh, "Let Me Shave Your Legs Tonight, Girl." Ew. <laughs> why? <laughs> Cracks me up. And they also have a song called I Gave Up. Also, that's way too long a name. All the song titles are really long, but very descriptive. They have a song called I Gave Up My Hobbies So I Could Spend More Time With You. That's concerning. (laughs) That is, that's a relationship that's codependent. It's worse. I love you like a stalker. (laughs) All right. Now, not a little nail on the head there, guys. And my personal favorite, Safe Tween Crush. Well, I mean, that's every boy band ever, right? I know. That's why they're funny. <laughs> so good job, author. Yeah. Kudos. Uh, yeah. So Beth- Are you sure you don't want to sing a few lyrics for I'm us? I'm pretty sure. I can make fun of the lyrics if you want me to recite them. Well, if you're not singing it, what's the point? I'm not going to sing them. So Fine. they finally take a rest in the jungle. When they wake up, Tiara, who's one of the contestants, has found this bush full- On point name. I know. Has found a bush full of fruit, and she's eaten a bunch of it. She's she's a little bit the dingy one, bless her, but she- She's kind of a, not the smartest. So how poisoned does she get? <laughs> so she eats all this fruit. Everybody's really concerned about her, obviously. Like, oh my God, are you going to die? And she's like, no, I feel totally fine. And like, I feel like somehow my skin is glowing. And they notice that like any the zit that she had this morning is gone. Like they're just kind of like amazed by it. And so they all end up eating the fruit because uh, why not? <laughs> because she seemed fine. Sure. And they, of course, start hallucinating. And Tara, okay. Tiara is like, oh, yeah, I saw a big rabbit surfing through the air. But, I, you know, I didn't think it was that important. So I didn't tell you about it. Is this ayahuasca? Is that what's going on here? A little bit, but with fruit. <laughs> okay. So meanwhile, back at the compound, Agent Jones, that's his name. Now we know. The agent is named Agent, agent Jones, Jones, which is barely more descriptive <laughs> than Agent. I know. 
That's what they're all named. All of them are named Agent Jones? Yes. I mean, just I feel like every agent in every movie is called Agent Jones or Agent Johnson, like in Die Hard. Or Agent Smith. Yeah, or Agent Smith. That's it. That's the only names. Yeah, Williams. That's, that's probably agents. another one. I've never been agent of any other name than no. Scully and Mulder. We're the most but... unique names for FBI agents ever. Absolutely. <laughs> they, they stand out because of how not Johnson or Smith they exactly. are. Exactly. So he's holding a meeting with his staff. He seems to be in charge of something. And he shows the picture of a man and explains that this man that he's showing is Momo B. Chacha, a.k.a. the Peacock. Uh, okay. So he's the dictator of the Republic of Chacha, the ROC, which is one of the uh, richest countries in the world. And it's, what? Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so it's a fake country, obviously. <laughs> you think, Danielle, you think uh, Chacha is going to be a real country. No, this is where it gets – This it's the Republic of Chacha. This, it's where I'm it sorry, starts to get weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dino. Uh, Republic of Chacha. I didn't give it the full, you know, DPRK uh, name. The ROC. Forgive me. Just remember, ROC. In the USA. Got it. <laughs> so this country has incredible natural resources, but nobody can get at the resources because there are all these levied sanctions against the country due to all the human rights violations from this dictator. Oh, no. Yes. And also – This is a problem for the US. <laughs> you know. I'm sure they're doing under the, whatever, cover of darkness deals. This is what the CIA is for. Yes. We know. So the dictator also, the problem is that he's super insane, super paranoid, and he has like a stuffed lemur that he carries around with him. I don't know why. I don't know why she chose that. She called- Danielle, don't shame people <laughs> for their comfort objects. I'm not. It's It's General somebody. He has a name. I can't quite remember, but he follows him around and he talks to him. So- he explains that in a few weeks, Momo Bichacha is going to be traveling to the island to make an arms deal with the corporation. And he needs the firepower to tamp down an insurgency in the ROC. And in exchange, the corporation is going to set up a business in the country. Standard yes. sort of Coca-Cola making Fanta in you know Nazi Germany. Yes, Got it. Yes, the exact same thing. So the agents ask how they're going to get the weapons into the country. And Agent Jones holds up a jar of the lady stash off. So, uh, uh, the exploded because it was full of weapons. They're confused, of course. The staff is. Apparently, nobody knows what's going on except this one guy, which seems highly unlikely since they're all in That's this. not how you want an operation. <laughs> I know. But it's for the audience. They're explaining it. So, he explains, of course, it looks just like a jar of hair remover, but it's actually a really powerful explosive. They found that if they just changed one compound in it, it becomes very unstable and all you need is a charge. Okay. A uh, couple of things. <laughs> I figured you might have some questions at this point. So, in this one instance, I... I am a chemist. <laughs> and <laughs> the only time on the podcast you've ever been the thing we're talking about. Yeah, I know, right? I, I, like, Danielle, this is it. This is my one chance. The shining moment, beauty queens. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is beyond the area I'm actually experiencing chemistry, so uh, problems. <laughs> but what? I just don't know if this makes any sense. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. If you don't know, I don't know. I'm just telling you that this is what the book said. It's an unstable compound that needs to charge to detonate it. So it's like a C4. Basically, yes. But C4, the whole point of C4 is that it's stable. Never mind. <laughs> You're <laughs> overthinking a book about beauty queens lost in the jungle. Yes. Yes, I am, Danielle. <laughs> this is very pivotal to the plot, though, so keep up. <laughs> oh, boy. So 
the stash off. And so when the snake ate the stash off, it somehow electrically charged it? Because there was that battery thing in it. Why would you store I the batteries? I don't know, Sam. I don't the, know. That, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I don't know if he ate the battery and then ate the stash off or like what? Why? Well, how, did, why? how did Soshi see him eat the battery like 20 minutes ago? I'm like, oh, then he ate the thing and exploded. Like what? Yeah, I don't I don't have the answer to that at all. And maybe okay. I just well, misread it and it explains it. But <laughs> I also was confused. You don't store the activator with the thing that's going to be activated. Agreed. Like That's just 101. Environmental health and safety will be all over you for your violation. You're going to get written up. Except that I don't think anybody's like monitoring this operation on this supposedly deserted island. They're a giant corporation. And I'm sure someone's monitoring something. <laughs> well, not in this case. I mean, this is just like an abandoned storehouse full of questionably unstable product. Okay. I also really want to understand how changing one compound turns a hair remover into a explosive device. Don't know. <laughs> Can't I tell mean, ya. Unless you're just like adding nitroglycerin to it, which then the hair remover becomes superfluous. Nope. It didn't seem to suggest that they added anything, just changed the compound. All right, Danielle. <laughs> I, I do better when I don't know what I'm doing. So let's just move on to something I'm not an expert in. Okay. So back on the beach, Taylor, they've like all kind of met up. Taylor's led the girls there to clean up and figure out what to do. And they've decided to actually like start putting together a survival space, basically. Oh, about time. I know. So they're using their pageant skills for labor and figuring out the whole housing food situation. Are they still tripping? Right. This is the girls in the jungle have not quite come back yet. This is just the other. Oh, the other group. still two different groups. Yeah. I, I can't keep this straight. Not my fault. I did not explain that well. So uh, this part's kind of fun because they're using like weird things that you would find in bags full of like the Viewer Beauty Queen, like a pumice stone to to create spears. You know, so it's kind of it's you can tell like she made a list and was like, what can so I use like these items for? Shaping spears from pumice stones or using pumice stones to shape spears. Pumice stones to shape spears works for me. I know. Appreciate the ingenuity. Yeah, they get pretty creative in this book, actually. So Adina gets into a fight with Taylor about how they should have been doing this days ago. Obviously. Obviously. And Taylor's basically like, if you're so gung-ho, then why don't you prove to everybody how great you are and eat these bugs that we found that we're going to use for food source? Like, prove to the girls that you should be in charge of this operation and, and lead them. And so... Maybe she should be in charge by finding them that's not bugs to eat? No, apparently they don't have anything yet. And so Adina basically commits to it. She eats the bugs. Everybody cheers. And she kind of realizes, like, oh, like, these maybe the girls aren't too bad. And it's kind of nice to be accepted by everybody. So she's having a moment. Oh. Okay, great. So the girls are left in the forest that have passed out from the fruit and they start to wake up. So Tiara wakes up first because she hears singing and she follows the noise to a small waterfall where she sees Petra showering. And she, yes. And so she was trying to figure, she's trying to figure out how to like alert Petra to her presence without, you know, scaring her. And Petra turns around and she realizes that Petra has male body parts. I was going to guess that Petra was transgender, but it seemed too on the nose. (laughs) Nope. That's exactly how on the nose this book is, Sam. Okay. I didn't want to be like that person, but okay, here we are. (laughs) So the next scene is Petra explaining who she is, which it turns out is actually JT Woodland, (laughs) the boy band member. Oh, well, there's a twist. So Petra is JT Woodland, who is no longer in the boy band, yes, obviously, was and is transitioning mm-hmm. and decides the best place to transition is at a beauty pageant with lots we'll of publicity. We'll get there. We're going to get there. Okay. There is, a, there is actually an explanation. So the girls are kind of torn on whether or not they're like, they should fangirl or be concerned that there's, you know, supposedly a male amidst them. And Shanti, one of the girls, says that... JT Woodland slash Petra should be disqualified because, quote, he's not a girl. And Petra's arguing, like, basically, like, what makes a girl a girl? Like, why 
If right, I of course. feel like a girl, if I'm transitioning to be a girl, am I not a girl? And Tiara says her mom says that's against nature and God. And Petra gets like really angry at her and is like, well, maybe yeah. you should ask God and nature why they put a girl inside a boy's body. And so there's uh, obviously that whole discussion. And Nicole finally asks why Petra joined the Teen Dream Contest, which is probably what everybody wants to know. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, yeah, I'll put my hand up yeah. for that. <laughs> so Petra explains that she was supposed to have a gender reassignment surgery and she went through the whole process. I like to get that started because you have to go through a lot to do that often Mm -hmm. and then got the money saved for it. Her family was super supportive of it. And then that's when her mom got cancer and they had to use the money for her mom's chemo for her breast cancer. And the insurance wouldn't pay for the chemo because breasts were a pre-existing condition, (laughs) which is a scathing indictment on our healthcare system in the United States. (laughs) Yes. But then what is it a scathing indictment of our healthcare (laughs) system, Danielle? It is a disaster. I know. I just laughed. I read it. Because I was like, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that is. It's sad because I can imagine them actually using that. Yeah. Well, you yeah, breasts are a pre-existing condition. You had them before you got cancer in them. Yeah. I mean, mammary glands, you can't have you know, breast cancer without breasts. This is your fault. Exactly. Ugh. Uh, and then any money that they had from the boy band was embezzled by the manager previously. So they don't, they don't have any oh, money. Oh, it's always the manager. I know. And so what happened is that she met up with some transgender rights activists through a support group. And they kind of brainstormed this idea that if she placed in the contest and revealed herself, they'd have to question gender at the competition. Like what, what is gender and who, what is a female? And so she went along with that because they would pay for her reassignment surgery. And she's, she's gung ho. Like Petra's okay with this. She's had questions about okay. it, but she's, she's not, it's not being forced into it. Cause like when I read it, I was kind of like skeeved out by that idea of being like yeah, forced into like it. Yeah, forcing her outer self in a way that it's like, very public. Yeah. yeah. But the author, I think, does a decent job of, of at least making it seem like Petra is maybe – like, obviously, it's a big step and Petra's aware of that, but she is also kind of, like, okay with it. She wants this to, to potentially happen and have that discussion. Okay, good. Yeah. So – there's a big discussion about whether or not Petra's taking away a spot from somebody else and how it's already a limited playing field for Ugh. other people and how the contest is on shaky ground because it's already considered antiquated and how they need the scholarship money and people are doing it for valid reasons and blah, blah, blah. And by the end of the day, they finally make it back to camp. Jennifer introduces Sosie to the group and tells them about all the weird product stuff they found. And they decide that it means – this is kind of a dumb decision. They decide it means that they'll obviously eventually be found because obviously people know the island exists, <laughs> even though it's like a deserted space oh, where they found all the stuff. <laughs> these are like – these people want to have no agency. <laughs> they'll get there. They'll get there. They have to learn their agency. That's part of the book. What is with you, Danielle, and movies and books where the characters just want to abdicate all their decision-making <laughs> to something else? That was like one story. <laughs> and this one now. Well, yeah, but this one has an arc where they they finally like have their, their coming of age where they're like, okay, let's get ourselves together uh, and I actually figure this out. I had a bit of that too, right? I mean, no, because he was trying to like figure out with his no, he cat, was letting human the love cell, cell make a decision hybrid. for him. <laughs> But he was trying to be a better person. He just wasn't sure how to go about it and was uh, took on a love cat cell human hybrid uh, advisor. I'll, I'll be honest, Danielle. My memory is hazy of that thing to begin with. So. <laughs> I think it's arguable. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. So Shanti ends up telling everybody about Petra because, you know, what a jerk. Yeah. So, 
The group splits into two factions, basically, and Taylor, surprisingly, is kind of like, this is a decision for pageant officials. Like, let's not mess with this. There's no actual rule against it. And they decide to kind of... There's no rule a dog can't play basketball. (laughs) Exactly. I guess a similar concept. (laughs) And so Shanti apologizes, saying that Petra lied about who she was. And Petra basically gets angry and is like, we're all lying about who we are. I mean, it's a beauty pageant contest. Are you serious right now? And Shanti kind of realizes there's some truth in that. And so then for some reason, this only happens like a couple times in the book, we get a peek into Momo Bichacha's life, the dictator. Okay. So I mean, bring on the Momo Bichacha. I'm I here. Know. So he's this terrible person, obviously. He's a dictator. And yeah. he hates the United States. But I mean, fair. he loves three things about the United States. He loves Elvis Presley. Sure. The corporation's show, Captain's Bodacious, which is this show about pirates living their high life on the seas. Oh, I forgot about the sexy pirates from the description. (laughs) And Lady Bird Hope. He's obsessed with the founder of the pageant. Creepy. I know. He's got a major crush on Lady Bird, and his plan seems to be to travel to the corporation's island, make his arms deal, bring down the insurgents in his own country, and then maybe release a mystery video that he's recorded that will make him famous on American TV, bring down America, and theoretically somehow get him Lady Bird in the process. (laughs) If it's just like one of those old video dating profiles, (laughs) I would like... Hello, I am Momo Bichacha. I am 34. I enjoy long walks on the beach, torturing insurgents, and being an all-around pebble person. Do you like red wine? Because I would love to get some, but import restrictions prevent that, so please bring it with you. I wish that's what it was. That would be so much better. That would fit in right with this book. I wish that had been in here. <laughs> I'm looking for a woman whose name is Lady Bird Johnson, right? Is that her name? Oh. Lady B. Johnson? I forget her name. <laughs> I can't even remember her name anymore, but it was definitely not Lady Bird Johnson. <laughs> Lady Bird Hope. Lady Bird Hope. I'm sorry. Lady Bird Johnson was an actual person, wasn't I know, she? Like, that's what I was like, what? Isn't Lady Bird, like, wasn't that uh, Lyndon B. Johnson's wife? Yeah. So, excuse me for naming the real person and not the fictional Lady Bird Hope. Excuse me. Oh, good times. I really hope I get that president right. (laughs) Pretty sure. I mean, yes, I think it's Lady Bird Johnson. So, President Johnson would make sense. Yeah. Well, you know, Agent Johnson, Agent Smith. That's true. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, if he released a uh, video dating profile that he thought that'd bring down America, that'd be a a really awesome thing. That is not what it is, but I desperately wish it was. (laughs) Uh, Next time. (laughs) All right. Anyway, by the end of the week, the girls have used their skills to create latrines and water collection source and created huts and found food. And they're like using all of their weird pageant skills and things they found from the the suitcases and all that. I would watch that reality show. I know. It's like the the, the description actually is quite a few pages of them, like how they did all of that. And it's it's quite amusing. Like they use their shapewear to create like catapult things. And like, it's just like great. (laughs) I'm not too proud to admit that I've watched reality shows that like simulate the apocalypse. (laughs) Haven't we all? Yeah. No, where they take a bunch of people and they put them in a warehouse. You're like, all right, 
society has collapsed, survive. Like, one of them's like the electrician, and one of them's like the leader, and they try to do some stupid drama, but it doesn't matter. But they're like, oh, we're going to build solar panels and stuff like that. We're going to recreate electricity, all those kind of things. And like, I'm kind of a sucker for that kind of stuff. So if it was just a bunch of beauty pageant people who had to use their weird, diverse skills to create survival situations, I'd be like, I'm there. Right. I'm watching you'd watch, that. You'd watch that show. <laughs> oh, absolutely I would. I know. It's great. So let's see what happens. Oh, so see and Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, you tell me. <laughs> so C and Jennifer are bonding. Jennifer's definitely crushing a bit on Sosie. And Mary Lou and Adina have become fast friends. Uh, Mary Lou is Nebraska. And Adina and her get into a conversation about like boys and liking people. Adina has this fear of intimacy because her mom had so many partners and is pushed like marrying so hard. Yeah. And Mary Lou wears a promise ring. It's kind of established a little bit earlier in the plot because and it's it's kind of explained later, but basically, like, they didn't want her to explore her sexuality, essentially. And so, yeah. and she got freaked out by it. So she put a, a promise ring on. And as the girls are working, they kind of start talking about their greater aspirations outside of the competition. And they come up with this idea together of a girl con, which has like workshops and tabling for things that girls actually care about. And they all kind of like shout out ideas of what they would want to do at this girl con and what tables they would want to run. And so it's kind of like reimagining the beauty pageant system, I think, is where that was going. more supportive than judgy. Yeah, exactly. I can get on board with that. Exactly. So all that's happening. And then Mary Lou wanders off. I can't quite remember why she wanders off. I think she's looking for something or whatever. And she ends up finding a guy on the island, this man. And he's... Is this like a castaway? No, not quite. He's studying the... He's an ornithologist. (laughs) Oh, Okay, so Danielle, I'm no ornithologist, but generally <laughs> abandoned islands are <laughs> no. Not- and I agree. She's also surprised to see him, and he's surprised to see her because he thinks it's an abandoned island, as you might. And they start talking. He's just there in a little boat. He's like, "Okay, well, I'm like finishing up. I'll go off on my boat to where I, I don't guess he's within range. I don't know." So this island is like. Oh, yeah. You see that? There's the Florida Keys over there. What are you guys doing? <laughs> You'd swim there. Yeah. Apparently, they're not that far from civilization. And he's like, I can't take all of you in my tiny little boat, but I will send help when I get off the island. And so- That's she, a start. I know. So, they start talking and they, you know, kind of hit it off. And then Mary Lou decides that, like, to accept her sexuality, she takes off her purity ring. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Wait. So he is – if he's an ornithologist, he's presumably completed some form of higher education, right? Yeah. I don't know if he's like officially in ornithology if he's studying ornithology. So let's hope that she's 18 and he's like 19 or 20. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say there are some real questionable things there. <laughs> and it's quite possible the book explains that more in depth. And to be honest, I was not going to mention it, but then it kind of comes back and I was like, dang it, now I have to talk about it. <laughs> I, there's nothing wrong with Mary Lou. Got that one. Having her sexuality awakened by crushing on some guy. That's fine. Even an older gentleman. Crushes are crushes. That's totally acceptable. But it's what they do about that's the question. Oh, yeah. They totally have sex. Okay. Great. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I was going to say. It's like true love because, you know, it works out for them. So I'm assuming he's an ornithology student and she's 18. So Mary Lou and the ornithologist do their their thing. Wait, do they have sex like right there? Well, I mean, it's... it bleeds into it, but yes, more or less. I thought they like would talk and then maybe later after they developed, okay, so she just goes right It's within it. like a 24-hour period, give or take. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. 
And so Sosie and Jennifer end up making out. They kind of have their their thing. So there's a lot of romance going on, apparently. Mary Lou finds her ornithologist. Sosie and Jennifer make out. Jennifer then gets the radio to work. Ooh, go Jennifer. Yeah. And they manage to pick up a radio interview, of course, with Lady Bird Hope that's on this radio show. And she basically states in the interview that they're stopping the search for the plane. They haven't been able to find them. They're giving Lady out. Bird Hope wasn't on the plane with them? No, she was not. Ah. She's back on those dates. Got it. So Taylor hearing this, because her whole like thing is basically to be Lady Bird Hope when she grows up. She mm. wants to be like... So Taylor has a bit of a breakdown, and she ends up running off after she hears the interview. So you get the backstory on Taylor now, which makes her, I guess, a more sympathetic person other than the person trying to like make them all do pageant duty while they're starving on an island. <laughs> so her mom left at a really young age, stating that she couldn't be everything they wanted her to be, like the people in her life wanted her to be. And then Taylor ended up discovering pageants and she felt like it was something she could do perfectly. And if she did it perfectly, then people would love her and they would never leave her. So I know that's her thought process. So she's done really well in pageants and now she's done everything right and tried to maintain like these pageant ideals with everybody and be the perfect pageant queen. And now everybody's just, you know, giving up on her and leaving and even Lady Bird Hope's not looking for them anymore. That's not great. I know. So... She ends up hearing these people talking. She like runs off. She runs quite a ways. She hears people talking and she kind of pulls herself together, gives herself a pep talk. Like this is not how winners, you know, act. And That's right. she thinks that she's found help. And then she realizes she's found a military compound. Her dad is a general. So she's very familiar with military compounds. <laughs> sure. Why yeah. not? She's going to yeah. infiltrate the military compound because she knows enough. all the code words or whatever. No, not quite. So she sees some of the soldiers or agents talking and fooling around, and one of the guys picks up a container from the crate and kind of fake tosses it to this other man. And the guy's like, don't get that near my cigarette. And the other guy is like, what are you talking about? And saying it's like, it requires an electrical charge to go off. And the other guy is like, no, it's volatile. Be careful. And so she realizes- That's what I was saying earlier. <laughs> yeah. She realizes it's Lady Stash off, and she's like, what the heck is going on? And in the grand tradition of plots being revealed to outsiders <laughs> by your yeah. accident. I don't like happens in every book. She overhears them talking about the teen dream girls and how the corporation knows that they're on the island but isn't coming to get them because it'll draw attention to the island and the deal with Momo Bichacha. Yes, because they couldn't just move to a different island. Well, apparently everything's set up here with the arms. You'd have to, I don't know, it's on the other side of the island, so they probably think they can get rid of their arms deal and not worry about it. All right, well, I'm not a corporation that's evil, so what do I know? <laughs> so the agent's basically like, good riddance, time for a better program to take on its place anyway. And Taylor gets really upset by this. Well, I, I would be reasonably upset if I realized that I was being abandoned to die. Yeah, but she doesn't just get upset about being abandoned to die. She gets upset that this guy is like, the beauty pageant is stupid. And she's like, excuse me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. That's more Taylor than me. <laughs> right. And so she ends up rushing him and roundhouse kicking him and, uh, and runs roundhouse off. Roundhouse kicking him. Yeah, wow. she does specifically <laughs> roundhouse kicking him. <laughs> And runs off to alert the others, and he chases after her. He has like a poison dart gun. What? I don't know. <laughs> what? This what does that make sense? weirder, Sam. <laughs> yes, let's give all our soldiers poison dart guns because those are the best weapons. Yes, <laughs> on the deserted and, island, <laughs> and they'll all wear an eye patch because it looks fashionable. <laughs> This is why I should be the ruler of an island, because I would have these kinds of decisions. I know. Everybody gets poison dart guns. Poison dart guns and hot pants. <laughs> so That way your legs are vulnerable to the darts, so you'll never be too complacent. 
This is why you shouldn't be evil. I <laughs> mean, this is why I should be evil, because it's the best island ever. Dudes in hot pants with poison dart guns. It's like a resort. <laughs> Momo B. Chacha would come by. He would get Ladybird Hope down there, show her his video. You know, things would happen. His dating profile. Yeah. He's like, you see, I have read many books. I like the book 1984. I see it as a how-to guide. <laughs> he kind of does. Yeah. See, well, I know this dude. You're basically Momopi Chacha. Aw, thank you, Danielle. You're Except welcome. I don't have a crush on Lady Bird Johnson. <laughs> but you could. You haven't met her yet. Well, no, I know it's Lady Bird Hope. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. I was ignoring you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he's chasing her with poison dart gun that he has for some reason. <laughs> right. Because I guess there's some kind of rule that if you're running through a jungle, there have to be poison darts being shot at you. Yeah, yes. And he manages to get four darts into her and he's like... So impressed that two of them can take down, like, a rhino, but somehow four of them have to, like, take down a beauty queen. This is why we don't use poison dart guns, people. And so she manages to yell out that there's danger before she passes out. She's trying to get to the other girls. And for some reason, the agent leaves Taylor there. Wait, doesn't like, take her body or whatever back? No, so he puts juice of that hallucination fruit on her, and the girls... Oh, he's trying to, like, set up, like, she was hallucinating. Yes, basically. But I don't know why he doesn't just take Taylor because they would have just assumed she died in the jungle. Like, she ran off. Also, also, she's pumped full of poison darts. Isn't she going to die anyway? I, I, I know. I mean, I think she's just going to hallucinate and be weird. What are these poison darts filled I, with, Danielle? I, they're like tranquilizer darts. That's not poison. But that's how it's, I think, how it's referenced in the book. They're like tranquilizer-y, poison hallucinatory. Okay, but also, four of them in her back would probably kill She'd her. She'd probably kill her, but it takes four to bring her down, and she's alive. <laughs> Plot. Is there any reason for this? It's just like, well, that's Taylor. That's Taylor. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so they eventually find her because they like heard her yell out. They didn't know where she was. So they bring her back to camp and they're thinking that for whatever reason, she ate a bunch of the fruit, passed out. So Taylor wakes up and she's still in a fever dream from the, the poison dart tranquilizer gun. Yeah, maybe they could say, oh, she had a fever dream where she somehow hallucinated poison darts in her back that manifested as real. Well, they like took... The dart. He took the darts and just rubbed juice all over his, her face. <laughs> okay, great. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I thought too little of the agent who just left her out yeah, in the, act- the jungle. I actually ended up rereading that scene because I was like, wait, what about the poison darts? Wait, what about the, <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah, the oh, same yeah. exact same so reaction many loose as you. ends. <laughs> I read it like three times. You know what I would do if I was in charge? What? I would dart him in the legs. <laughs> Because, you know, he'd be wearing hot pants and I could do that. It'd be funny. It'd be great. He deserves it for screwing up. (laughs) I will not tolerate incompetence on my island. (laughs) So she runs off in her fever dream state. They are like, you know, they left her there to to rest. And she's intent on finding a safe space in the hills, basically. And instead, she's found by one of the military guys. She ends up... Again. She ends up killing him. She breaks his neck. She's in a fever dream. So she's like, I think she might have done it anyway, to be honest. Honest, but like, how does she kill him? Just like snap his neck. She ends like up a like jumping ninja? on him, like I think monkey style, and she ends up snapping his neck. Has, These military guys she's, are not top notch. She's, she's definitely had like self defense training and kickboxing yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like, These people have had military training ostensibly, no, Danielle. Apparently. They should be better than that. No, they're not. Though this is a classic case of like stormtroopers. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah. 
So she steals his walkie-talkie and she goes and hides in the woods and she's still, again, in her fever state. So the girls find her hiding there like two days later, but they leave her alone because she seems to be super crazy in the in the mountains. She's just like wild. So she's out there for two days tripping. Basically. And they keep an eye on her because they want to make sure she stays safe. They just don't want her back at camp because she's clearly not going to stay there and they don't want to have to like jail her. Sure. They So they heard her yell danger earlier before she passed out, and they think the stuff they found in the jungle is weird, but they do, obviously don't know what all that means. And so they're kind of yeah. getting wary, but they're not sure exactly why. So a storm starts back up, but this time they they have a plan in place. So they grab all of their stuff, they move it to their stations they've built, and they're like heading uphill. And once they reach higher ground, they realize there's a ship on the horizon. Sexy pirate time! <laughs> and at first they think they're saved, but then they realize the ship has lost control and is about to crash onto the island. And so they like start to run down there to go rescue them. I guess maybe it's towards the end of the storm or whatever. They don't want them to die. And they realize there's a Jolly Roger flag flying on the ship. Yes, because... Sexy never pirates. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I get sexy pirates, but also... They have their own reality show, right? We'll get there. Yes. Maybe. No, you already told me that Moe Bichacha <laughs> loves them for the reality show. He does, yes. So, half- so h- how legitimate can these pirates be if they have well, they a reality show? they don't know that show? at this point. They just think they're pirates. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about like, are they actually pirates or just like, we're, we're pretending to be pirates and we like to talk like, no one ever talked like pirates. Are. We never talked like this. I so would we're say pretend. they are definitely actors who are super hot, who are just okay. pretending to be pirates. Okay. I just want to clarify that because the description said sexy pirates. Yeah. And I want to clarify, they're sexy actors pretending to be pirates. And that's even better. Yes, basically. I mean, it's a reality TV show. They're not real pirates. They didn't like go off to the Somalian seas or something and like pick right. up some real pirates from a ship and like, hey, instead of like stealing a bunch of money and killing people, do you want to be on a reality show as a sexy pirate? But what do they do on the reality show? I am not entirely sure. They sail the seven seas, pretend like they, they don't have any real skills. You'll see eventually. They go to the Arctic Circle. Ah, one of our seven seas, the Arctic seas. I don't, I don't know exactly what they, I don't know what this show is actually about. <laughs> Why am I more interested in all the reality show potential from this book than the actual story of the book because itself? Because a lot of this book is actually describing like reality shows and stuff and the product placement and stuff. It's just hard to tell in a re-describing of the plot. <laughs> Man, I would watch the, like, again, I told you I'd, I'd watch whatever, survival reality shows because I'm only human. But I would watch <laughs> a reality show that's like, Oh, yeah. Go be pirate for, you know, six months. See how that works out. And I think, yes. Essentially, what happens in this reality Uh, TV show. (laughs) Why isn't that real, Danielle? I want to watch that. Yeah, there's some great show ideas in this book that I, again, as you said, would 100% watch. Oh, so fast. So, what happens? Half of the group runs forward excited about like, oh my gosh, there are sexy pirates. Like, this is very exciting. Yeah, no kidding. And the other half is like, okay, no, you can't go down there. They're pirates. They'll kill you. And... They but they make it to the beach as the pirates pull themselves ashore, like their their ship crashed. Okay, and another question. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, so this close, occurred to me. So close to the end. I know, but Danielle, wait, they're pirates, but they're not pirates. They're actors working for the corporation. Uh huh. The corporation doesn't want anyone near this island. Yes. So why did the corporation let the pirates get near the island and they don't want anyone near? It's a storm, and we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. But next time. <laughs> No! I gotta know now! 
I can't tell you now. This is the halfway point. The pirate ship crashes. They think the girls are mermaids. They are clearly not mermaids. So that would have been a great plot twist. Wait, so are they are they high pirates as well? Are they all tripping on berry no. juice? <laughs> There's normal pirates. They're just like 20-year-old hot pirates. Sign and me up. I know. The girls help them get up, check on injury. Mary Lou runs towards them. And as you accurately guessed, she's like, oh my god, you guys, you just rescued the cast of Captains Bodacious for Batter and more Bodaciouser. Batter and more Bodaciouser. Man, <laughs> why isn't this real? I don't know. And that's the <laughs> like the end of the first part of this book. <laughs> wow, Danielle. You know what? I am intrigued. <laughs> it got there, didn't it? <laughs> It was starting out as like heavy-handed satire, but I mean, when you have cat bodacious for more bodaciouser, whatever, batter and more bodaciouser, batter and more bodaciouser, you know, I can't help but be won over by that. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate the titles in this book. <laughs> no, you know, they're very good, and I have a real soft spot for Momobi Chacha. I feel like he is a character that we can really explore, get to know better, and see that his inner life is both rich and, I mean. Having a stuffed lemur you talk to, that's got to have some kind of imagination. He's got to have some kind of rich inner feeling. So I think we could really get to know Momo Bichacha as a human being. Yeah, and luckily in the second half, you do get to know more about Momo Bichacha. <gasps> You're in Momo luck. Bichacha. Something oh, to look my forward gosh. to. You get pirates, sexy pirates. Just tell me one thing, Danielle. Do we ever find out what's in that video? Yes, you do. Oh, okay. I was about to be like, if this is one of those like things that's like never actually comes to fruition, I'd be very upset. Your um, idea behind the video is actually much more interesting than what's actually in the video. <laughs> I'll be the judge of that when I get there, Danielle. Because <laughs> it would have been great if it was a dating profile that he wanted to air on American television. Well, I mean, the whole idea is make America fall in love with him. Yeah, sort of, while destroying it. <laughs> destroying it from within. Well, that's the idea. Once the people support him, they're going to overthrow their fascist government. Exactly. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Look, Moby Chacha, he's got a rich imagination. I'm sure he's imagined all kinds of scenarios. I'm sure. He's like like a Calvin character, you know, just imagining all kinds of adventures with this stuffed lemur. And then... Is, it, is, he, is, he, is this Calvin and Hobbes, really? Is this like how they grew up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. They became Moby Chacha dictator to a small... Uh, rich country. He has the stuffed lemur he talks to. I mean, maybe the tiger just didn't survive the trip, so he found a replacement. (laughs) And that's why he went insane and became crazy and evil. Oh, okay. It's an origin story. Now we know. Yeah. Boy, that got dark. (laughs) (laughs) That was all on you. Wow. Well, that is You can send those complaints to Sam for ruining your childhood. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. Please don't. (laughs) That that was wild, Danielle. I I mean, I did not see anything coming. <laughs> uh, once we hit the quote unquote poison darts, and I'm still imagining all the soldiers in hot pants because that's my head cannon, and I appreciate that. It's <laughs> much funnier. Once we got to that point, I'm like, all right, book, you've you've earned my respect. That's good because it just gets crazier. Perfect. Well, I can't wait to hear about it next time. If anybody has any insight or wants to complain to Sam about ruining their childhood. Or if somebody wants to pitch different (laughs) script ideas, like episodes of Captain Bodacious for... Badder and more bodaciouser. Yeah, if you want to like throw some scripts my way for Captain Bodacious 4 or some 
personal dating profiles for Moabi Chacha. I would love to see this. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with that, Sam? <laughs> uh, 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 no, no. Just for Moabi Chacha. I don't care about your dating profile. I want Moabi Chacha's dating profiles. Yeah, if you want to put together a video of the stuff that Sam said earlier, <laughs> pretending to be Moabi Chacha, we will 100% post that on our Twitter, oh, Facebook. Oh, so easy. <laughs> we will even maybe have you on to discuss your process. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Man. So yeah, you can definitely send that to me. You can find us at bookretorts.com. Or as we mentioned, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at bookretorts. Ah, uh, I can't wait till next week, Danielle. <laughs> I'm glad. Although I'm glad I you're invested. I to see how much I remember. I'm not going to remember any of these names. That's okay. I barely remember the names. <laughs> what notes are for. Uh, all right. Well, until then, bye. Take care, everybody. You should have, like, stickers that you can give to customers who behave like <laughs> decent human beings. That'd be terrible. So 90-year-old person, oh, you're a lovely human. Here's a star. I would love that. I don't care how old I was. Like, thank you. I feel so seen right now. <laughs> I'd like gold stars, too. There is a population that would still appreciate a gold star. Well, anyone who's human and decent would. I'll see what I can do. I'll see if we can order some from Staples. Well, yeah, you don't limit it just to customers. You can give it to everyone in your life who's doing good. Just carry them in my back pocket. Here's a gold star. I would today. wager if people learned that you were giving out gold stars, like your friends, that you would see some behavioral changes. <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably be easier if I was seeing people in person. Well, yes, but I mean, you can at least <laughs> send them pictures, I guess. <laughs> It's a picture of the gold star I would give you if you were here. You should have like a chart, like in one of those chore boards, you know, where you're like, oh, you, you did a chore today. You get a star for the day. Like, and you can see like a bar graph filling up as you put stars on it. In my spare room, everybody's name is listed with yeah. the stars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can like oh, set up Sarah is, is over you. I'm sorry. You got to like step it up. They've got three more stars than you. Pretty much. And you know people would absolutely get like invested in that. <laughs> I mean, I kind of would. Yeah, you would. You'd be like, that would work on me. <laughs> yeah, it would. Don't you hate knowing that about yourself? <laughs> yes. I we really were like such stars. simple creatures. The kindergarten <laughs> thing of just like, wait, if someone has more stickers on a wall than me, that will not stand. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs>